Well, good morning. Hey, I get to finally, officially say something today. Anybody know? Merry Christmas! Not by passing Thanksgiving. I really enjoyed it. I ate some good turkey, all that good stuff. But we are now into one of my favorite times of the year, the holidays in the sense of Christmas. So hey, for those that don't know who I am, my name's Lee Willis. I'm the student pastor here, and I get the privilege of teaching this morning and leading you through uh, this passage in our new series, Generous. And part of this idea of this series, Generous, is the idea that God cares more about our hearts than he does what we have. And he cares more about who we are and what we do and how we live our life than how much money we make. Right? And he loves us so much that he wants to remind us of that and teach us that. That, hey, who you are, how you live, matters. And one of the ways we can live the way God wants us to live is by being generous. Because it's about other people then, not about me. Right? So I brought up the most expensive bill I have in my wallet. Anybody can tell what this is? A dollar. Because there's not many of these that stay in my wallet anymore now that I have two kids. Now let me tell you this. How many of you honestly, this morning, if I pop this up here, this dollar said, hey, first up here to the stage right now gets it. How many of you would come right now? One person. Two people maybe, right? Why? Because for most of us in this room, and this isn't a judgmental thing, this isn't a negative thing, is in today's culture, a dollar doesn't mean a lot anymore, does it? Because we want more. We're taught to want more. We're taught to get more, right? Look at the Powerball. I'm not picking on anybody in here. If you bought a ticket, that's up to you. I bought one. But I also dreamed of all the ways I could be generous in all reality. What if I told you, though, the first person up here right now, this dollar would literally change into a million dollars. How many would you run up here right now? If we're being honest, let's be honest in the room. Yeah, most of the hands are raising now, right? Because why? Because a million dollars is going to help us a lot more, especially us adults who pay bills and all that. A dollar ain't going far to pay for the gas, right? But a million dollars could pay a gas for years, right? And it all matters. It all makes a difference. But I'll tell you, you know who this dollar makes a difference to? My five-year-old. My five-year-old, when he gets a dollar, goes crazy. He is grateful for that dollar. Because a dollar means everything to him. And a dollar is a big deal to him. And the second he gets a dollar, he wants to go shopping. Right? 
So there's a clip I want to show you real quick before we dive into our text. This is one of my favorite clips of a movie, almost probably not all time, but pretty close. And every time my son reacts to a dollar, some of you are smiling because you already know where I'm going with this. He reacts this way. So let's show this clip. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. Hey, 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 hey. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, we were all there once, so let's not act like we weren't the ones dancing up there, right? I mean, when you were five, you were doing the same thing. For some of you, it might have been a quarter. Just kidding. Just kidding. But money means different things for different people, and the amounts mean different things for different people, right? For some, a dollar in this season of Christmas is a huge deal. For some of us, it's not as big of a deal because of where we are at in life right now. But yet God calls us to more than just a dollar. And he calls us more than just money. He calls us to be generous. So why talk about money in the church though? We'll start here before we dive in the text. Because this honestly is one of the top questions that people that don't go to church ask. Why does the church talk about money so much? Well, it's not just about giving or tithes or any of that, which is important. But it's because Jesus taught it. It's because Paul taught it after Jesus taught it. And a mentor of mine told me that we need to be reminded more than we need to be taught something new. And I think the reason Jesus talks about it a lot is because he understands the control it can have. He can understand the effect it can have. Because of the way culture teaches it, right? And not just now. Culture forever has taught one way to handle money. No matter what country you live in. No matter what time you live in. Money has always had different values and teachings. So here's some whys we talk about it today. Our attitude towards money can affect our lives and the way we live. How we view money and allow money to come into our life is important or not important, or how we view it will affect how we live. When we talk about money, the dangers are real and serious because they often are unseen and unrecognized. A lot of times when it comes to money, it sneaks in real fast. We don't even realize it. One minute, you're doing something with money in a healthy way, and the next minute, you get pulled. I mean, I actually had to make a rule, and my wife can attest to this, that I couldn't go into Best Buy anymore. (laughs) Why? Because when I go into Best Buy, I'm a techie guy. What do I like to do when I go into Best Buy? Buy techie things. But do I need more techie things? You be honest, no. No. But in my head, yes. Another reason we talk about money in the church is because money can feed the illusion, and I'm going to say this on purpose, the illusion of our rebellion and independence from God. Because if I don't view money in a healthy way, and I'm not picking on anybody that has a lot of money, and I'm not feeling sorry for anybody that doesn't have a lot of money, it doesn't matter where you are. It matters your heart, no matter how much money you have. 
But money can lead us away from trusting God if we allow it. See, when I, I did buy a Powerball ticket for fun, and I dreamt, in all seriousness, about paying off our Shelby Supply Building for Pastor Craig. That was one of my hearts. Like, God, would you give me this money so I could just give him that? You know what? But what if God has the heart, put on 10 people's heart to give to that to pay it off? I took away from 10 people. We can have a good heart, but we also have to make sure it's always about God first. And we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. Money can also feed the illusion that happiness, love, meaning, and security can be found apart from God. I actually, years ago, they came out with a book for student ministries, and it talked about all these famous musicians and actors and actresses and where they were with money and all these different topics. And the number one thing in the section of money was they kept saying, I have all this money, but I'm struggling to find happiness. I have all this money, but I don't seem content. I have all this money, and it doesn't seem like my life's fulfilled. And I thought it would be once I made this point in my life. And here I have a bunch of students sitting in front of me as we're going through this series. And they're looking to their future going, man, if I just make it there, I'll be happy. If I just get there, I'll be content. My seven-year-old struggles with that already. Daddy, I'm going to be a major league baseball player. He wants to be in a good way. But why do you think another reason is he wants to be a major league baseball player? Money. He wants to have the nice, big, fancy car. He's got a poster in his room already. And so we have to teach that to our kids, to our grandkids, to our nieces and nephews. It's okay to have money, but be careful where your heart goes with it. So how we handle money and think about money is critically important to us. And Brandon actually said a big piece it shows spiritual growth where we're at when it comes to money. How we handle money, how we view it. And to me, it's not as much about who has this much and who doesn't. It's all wherever you're at, the heart. And you'll see in the Gospels, Jesus will talk about the woman that came and gave two pennies. Had a big deal in her heart, more than some of those around her that were given a lot more money. Because our heart, oh, it's gone. Oh, it's still there a little bit. Our heart matters to God. And he wants the best for us, no matter what the topic is. So let's dive in now to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And for those that weren't here or haven't been here with us lately, we've been in 2 Timothy. And so we're climbing back into 1 Timothy for a moment just to learn a little bit more about what Paul has for us and what he's teaching Timothy. But before we dive in, I want us to pray as we see what God has for us through the text. So God, we just thank you for today. And we do thank you for how you provide for us. And that you do promise you'll provide for us. So God, would you just help us trust you with that? God, would you help us with our hearts? Would you help us have hearts that follow you, hearts that love you first no matter what, hearts 
for others. So guys, we dive into this text. Will you help us see what you want to see? Help us to learn what you want us to learn. In your name, amen. So we're going to dive in. Before we get into verse 6, is actually where we're going to start technically. But we have to go back to verse 3 in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And here's what it talks about. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the teaching that promotes godliness, okay, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments or words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. So here we are looking at people in culture that are teaching a way to view money. And these people are calling themselves religious leaders and saying this is the way God wants you to view money. Basically, if you live a godly life, you will gain a lot of good things. If you live a good life in the way God wants you to live, he's going to give you a lot of money, and he's going to give you a lot of things you want. And it's all about me. I don't know if you know this, I don't think God ever talked about it being about me. I think he talked about it being about him. I think he talked about it being about others. But I think where he talked about me was where my heart is and who I am and who I'm becoming. And so Paul, speaking to Timothy, one of his followers, his disciples that he's teaching and coming alongside says, hey man, Let's just get this straight in verse 6. But godliness with content is great gain. Paul is looking at Timothy, writing to Timothy saying, Hey, godliness is not financial gain. Godliness with contentment equals great gain. So let's look at a few words here. To help us get this, godliness equals the practice of conforming to laws and wishes of God. Godliness is the practice of conforming to the laws and wishes of God. So if I want to live the way God wants me to and I'm trying to, thus I'm hopefully living godly. Okay? Contentment. Satisfaction with what one already has. So let's look at this. Godliness with contentment. So I'm going to practice conforming to the laws and wishes of God by being satisfied with what I already have. Yeah? Where they're teaching... I'm going to practice conforming to the laws of wishes of God so I can get more. That's not what God has for us. Now, 
We can talk all day. Does he want to bless us? Yes. Will he provide for us? Yes. But your definition of provision sometimes isn't always equal to what God's definition of provision is. Because he talks about that as well in the Gospels. But here's the interesting thing about contentment. Let's ask these questions. It's Thanksgiving weekend, right? Even though I brought the Merry Christmas out already, it's really still Thanksgiving weekend technically, right? Are we grateful for what we already have? If we're content, we're already grateful for what we already have. But are we? Here's another one. Are we content enough that Christ is enough? Are we content enough that Christ is enough? What if he never gave you another dollar the rest of your life? Could you still be happy? What if he asked you to move out of your house and be happy about that and content with that? Would you still be happy? What if all you had the rest of your life was Jesus and your family? Could you be okay with that? Are we content enough that Christ is enough? In Matthew chapter 6, he talks about this. Jesus tells us not to worry. Why? Because he loves us and he takes care of the birds, the flowers, and the grass. He talks about food and clothing in that parable. Or not parable, sorry, in that text. He says, I love you so much. Look how I take care of the birds. Look how I take care of the flowers. Look how I take care of the grass. Don't you think I'll take care of you and provide for you? And then what does he say at the end of that? He says this, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Don't seek first money. Don't seek first things. Seek first his kingdom, and if you do that, God will provide, and he'll take care of you. One of the biggest tests for me, in all honesty of this, was when we moved here a couple of years ago. My wife's job hadn't started yet, and for three months, we didn't have her salary, which in our household, that's a pretty big deal. And yet... God provided every moment we needed the money to pay our bills. Now, did we have a lot of money for extra stuff at the time? No, not so much. But we paid our bills every month. And we could eat out a few times. And we could enjoy life still. You know what? Those are probably still some of my sweetest times being here with my family because every night we'd sit at our little fold-up table and play cards before bed. Because is that enough for us in our life? And so the last question of contentment is this. Are we focused more on his kingdom or ours? 
See, if we're going to practice conforming to the laws and wishes of God by being satisfied with what we already have, we probably need to look through those questions. Are we grateful? Are we content enough that Christ is enough? And are we focused more on his kingdom or ours? Because that will make a difference in helping you answer where your heart is when it comes to being generous, where it comes with this topic of money. Here's one thing I want to bring in, though. When we talk about godliness, we need to lean into the Holy Spirit to help us. Like when you get your paycheck, whatever that looks like, whenever that happens, do you already have it planned out yourself or do you take time to ask God, what do you want me to do with this money? When you get extra money, whatever that might look like, if you do, do you ever ask God, what should I do with this money? Or do you already have it planned out? Because we're going to live a godly life. If we're going to live in a godliness, the practice of conforming the laws and wishes of God, shouldn't we be asking God? Shouldn't we be going to God and going, what should I do with this? I mean, if we're being honest, there's probably a fly in the room. I was going to say an elephant, but... You know, it's sad, because every time a fly lands, it poops, so that means it just pooped on my hand. I'll wash it later. But the elephant in the room is this. This is an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. Because there's a control factor with it. There's a heart factor with it. And it can get uncomfortable because if we actually look at ourselves this week, and I had to a lot because, you know, God does this funny thing of when I'm preaching, he, he brings a text to me and goes, okay, you check yourself. Where are you at, buddy? And I'm like, man, stop that, please. <laughs> but the idea is it's uncomfortable because sometimes I don't want God to be in control of my money. Sometimes I want to be in control of my money. And sometimes I want more money. And sometimes I want to spend money the way I want to spend it on the things I want to spend it on. And sometimes I want a little bit more of a Star Trek uh, ship in my video game, you know. Because I want to blow other people up real well. But in the end, where is my heart? Where is our heart when it comes to money? In the end, can we say we are truly content? And are we leaning on the Holy Spirit to help us live this life of godliness? That's with content, great gain. Why is it great gain? Because it means you're doing what God wants you to do. And that actually will be a better life than any other life you can have. See, they're teaching that Financial gain is the great way to get, and I think all of us know at some point we've been dissatisfied with money. And money hasn't done it for us. The next thing hasn't done it for us. We bought a new car and it broke down in like six months. We're like, come on, for real? But it's all about perspective, and that's where verse 7 comes in. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. I am not putting my Jeep truck, hopefully, we'll, I guess you could make it happen, 
but be awkward. Uh, I guess I wouldn't know. Anyways, sorry, my head's going. <laughs> like if I die someday, which is hopefully a long time from now, and I still have my Jeep truck, hopefully they're not trying to fit my Jeep truck in my coffin. Right? Either they're going to get rid of it or somebody else is going to get it or whatever, right? Like I'm not taking my Star Trek video game with me. Right? When I die, it's on my phone and it's going to stay on my phone and it's going to disappear at some point. Why? Because I didn't bring anything to the world. I was birthed with nothing except for my body. Right? They had to give me a towel and, and one of those beautiful little hospital hats, right? I had to be given those things. I didn't pop out of my mom with a Jeep truck. Oh, I feel bad for her if that was true. <laughs> Women, you get it, right? But hey, I don't bring anything in. And the honest truth is we're not taking anything out. What we're taking out is our relationship if we have it with God. So by living a godly life while being content is a great game because someday when I die, I get to go spend eternity with my Father, my Heavenly Father. And I get to spend the rest of eternity with Him. That's great game. That's forever. Everything else is just for today. I like this in Matthew 6, another place that Jesus talks about. He says, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break and steal in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's another heart check. And he goes on to say, it's all about perspective. We haven't brought anything in this world. We can't take anything out in verse 8. If we have food and clothing, it's interesting he'll say this, and I don't know if we all believe this. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. All I need in this life is clothing and food. Can I be content with that? The rest is extra. The rest is added on. Food and clothing, and that's why he goes back in chapter 6 and talks about the grass and the flowers, how he clothes them, and the birds, how he feeds them. Because he's like, this is actually enough, folks, if you'd accept it. And guess what? If you can accept that and accept me, you have enough. Seriously. Going down. Not anybody I wasn't pointing at people, I was pointing at the fly. But he's talking about that, how he's saying, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content. Paul goes on to about himself in Philippians 4. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. And when you look at Paul's life, the dude went through a lot. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content any and every situation. I want you to hear that. Being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I want to talk to you about this every situation, because when you look at Paul's life, this dude was almost beaten to death a number of times. This dude was deserted by a number of people that called themselves followers of Jesus and said they were close to him, wanted to do life with him, and they left him. This dude was still content in the midst of all that. One of the phrases God's teaching me right now is today is God's. And whatever happens today is whatever God was allowing today. That's a hard statement. Because there are things I don't want to happen today or happen yesterday or happen the day before or will happen tomorrow or the future that I don't want to happen. I don't like to happen. But yet for whatever reason that happened and some of the things that have happened in my life have made me the man I am today even though I went through it. Because today is God's. But the hard part is there's a tug of war always going on in our lives. Matthew chapter 6, so again, talks about this. He talks about you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God, you can't serve money. We're always being pulled one direction or the other, if we're being honest. I trust God with everything, or I don't. God's going to provide, I'll get my own way. I'm good with food and clothing. I need all this other stuff. There's always a tug of war, and it doesn't help in this time of year, because what's happening in this time of year? Everybody wants you to go to the store and spend a ton of money for everybody else and buy a lot of presents, and especially expensive presents, right? I mean, if you saw my seven-year-old's list, not trying to pick on him this morning, I mean, I love him to death, and, and we got him a couple things, but man, he's seven, and I'm like, now I get where my parents were coming from, when I was his age making my Christmas list. But there's always this tug of war. And guess what? Between any show you're watching, any sporting event you're watching, anything you're watching, literally comes a commercial to go, God's over here, come over here. We get stuff in the mail. Like I get asked all the time to trade in my truck, to get a new truck. I've only had it for a year. But they're like, come on, man, new truck. And I'm like, yeah, new truck. There's always this tug of war going on, but here's the other thing. It's all about perspective, and I, and I love this illustration because for some of us, this might help us this morning, is where we view where our money comes from. Got him! Everybody online, I did not smack my belly on purpose. There was a nasty fly that is now smeared on my belly and dead. Victory. <laughs> oh, the distractions of life. But here's the truth. Depending how you view where your money comes from can affect your view of money as well. So here's how it works. If you're a teacher, 
and you look to your school board to say, you give me my salary and I get my check from you, and that's where it stops for you, then that's how you're going to do money. If you're in a business and HR pays your check and whoever that HR person is that writes your check and that's where you view your money comes from, on all honesty, then that's how you're going to view money. Because of people in this church family graciously giving, I get to get a salary and get paid. But if I stop with you, which some of you might get a little too giddy about that, if I stop with you, that's still not a good perspective of money. Because here's the truth. God put on your heart, no matter if I get paid or not, to give to this church to help this church live out its mission and vision. God put on your heart. The money I receive when I get paid is from God through you. The money that comes through HR, believing or not, comes through God because God is in control of everything. He is in charge. So that money doesn't stop at HR or the school board or wherever you work. The money comes through. God provided that money so it could go to those people so you could get paid. That affects how we view money. If you let it stop somewhere short of God, then you don't have to think about God. You don't have to ask God what to do with it. It's yours. But if you're a follower of Christ, my hope and prayer is that you believe that your money, no matter where it goes through the channels, always initiates from God. And that should affect how we live and how we view money and how we handle money and how we let it affect our hearts or not. And here's why. Because those who want to be rich fall into a temptation. It's not saying those who are rich. It's saying those who want to be rich fall and follow me unexpected, unfortunate entrance into an experience or condition that is better avoided. Falling is unexpected and unfortunate entrance into an experience or condition that is better avoided. Avoid being tempted. Avoid the trap. Avoid the foolish and harmful desires. Unvoolage, or unvoolage, sorry, I'm adding words, sorry. Avoid plunging into ruin and destruction. Don't fall. But avoid. And how do you avoid? Checking your heart. How do you avoid? Putting God first. Putting others next. So here's some solutions to helping us live a life of contentment. Number one, realize one day riches will be gone. 
Number two, be content with what you have. Number three, monitor what you're willing to do to get more money. Number four, love God more than money. Love his kingdom and work more than money. Number five, love people more than money. Number six, have a plan to how you will use your money. A simple one is 10, 10, 80. When you get your check, 10% goes to the church, 10% goes into savings, and then 80% pays whatever bills. My last lead pastor, one of his close friends, actually tried to flip that in his life where he put 80% to give away to God and 10% he'd live on and 10% he would save. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. But he actually moved towards that amount. But have a plan how to use your money. Number seven, freely share what you have with others. Give generously, bless someone. Number 11, or not 11, number 8, verse 11. Focus on these more than money. He says this in verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. If we're focused more on how God wants us to live and who God wants us to be, that will replace, if we're struggling with it, the love of money. Because it's more about who we are and how we live. And it's interesting, that ties back into verse 10. And this is where it gets a little confusing how people teach it. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Why? Because their love in the tug of war became so strong it pulled them from this side. God, it pulled them over here more than it did over here. But here's what I want you to hear today. I've heard a number of churches that preach, and it hurts my heart. They'll say money is the root of all evil. No. Look at the text. Love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. There are other roots out there in the tree. But it is definitely a root, and it's a strong one. And the more you focus and the more you make money your God instead of the God, that root will become thicker and harder to chop out and clear out. And think about this. A root is the starting point of all that grows and all is fed. So where you're pointing your roots to, where you're digging your roots in at, will show how you're being fed, how you're growing. And you'll see it in your life, folks. You can't hide it in the end. We try to, but you can't. Because our lives show who we are. Our lives show who or what we love. And we have a choice. But it's a root of all kinds of evil. Why? Because, man, if anybody has let money get in charge of their life, they would testify today some of the roads they've gone down because money took over their life. 
It could be dangerous. Very dangerous. So where are we putting our roots in, folks? Where do we want to grow? Where do we want to be fed? Do we want to be fed by the word and by God himself? Or do we want to be fed by money and things? Do we want to live the way God wants us to and let that show on our tree? Or do we want to show our tree is hanging all these other things? But we can live in such a way that pleases God. And that's loving Him, putting Him first, and checking our hearts, because our hearts are what matter to God, not our things. Yeah? So let's pray. God, I know I need this check personally in my life because there are days I struggle. There are days I get lost in the tug of war myself. And I'm sorry for that. God, would you help all of us be generous people, but be, be generous people out of a life, a life of righteousness, a life of godliness, a life of faith, a life of love, a life of endurance, a life of gentleness, and all the other things you call us to. Would our generosity come from those things because of who we already are and how you affected our life? Would people, when we're generous, see who we really are and why we're really doing it? And would you get the glory because of it? God, would you help each of us check our hearts? Where are we truly with this? Are we living the way the world wants us to live or are we living the way you want us to live? And would you help us to live the way you want us to live? In your name, amen. So hey, during this season, where could you find yourself be generous? Where could you even find yourself be a little more generous? But not just to do it as a show or any of that stuff, but to give God the glory with your life. And say, hey, I love you, I want to help you, and here's one story I'll end with, and then I'll let you go for today. Sometimes I forget the impact of generosity without realizing it it's about three weeks ago I was at a hair place getting my hair cut and and the lady cutting my hair did really really a good job and I really appreciated her heart for it and everything and so I, I gave her a little bit nicer tip and this isn't about me bragging please don't hear that so I gave her a nicer little tip and so we got up front and we went to check out and she looked at her manager and this is where it wrecked my heart and reminded me of the truth of generosity she looked at her manager and said, will you come help me do this? And she's like, what's going on? She goes, I've never been given a tip. I don't know how to plug this into the computer. What? So then 
Her manager comes up to help her, and she's all giddy. And she looks at her manager and goes, he gave me a tip. And told her how much I gave her. And she started tearing up. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done for the day. Because we don't know, folks, in one moment. I didn't do that tip to brag. I didn't do that tip for any reason just to bless her for what she did for me. And in the end, I got blessed back. Because she was giddy that she got a tip. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated some days. And you never know by having a generous heart how today you might impact somebody. So let's be that church, okay? We'll see you next week.